I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Com and iTunes. Thanks to, of course, my good buddy Mark Slaughter for the kick-ass opening theme music. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She's the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thank you for listening, downloading, streaming, however you listen each and every week. Thank you very much for doing so. Don't forget, I've got an Amazon storefront now. Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Go there. See items I have personally selected that may be of interest to you. And then do the rest of your Amazon shopping from that page. Again, Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. The all-new Eddie Trunk store on Amazon. Always start your Amazon shopping on that page and go from there. And it would be greatly appreciated if you do that. So here we go with, uh, wow, the holiday. The, the, the Labor Day holiday now. Just coming up in a few days. The unofficial end of summer. The start of football season looming, which makes me extremely happy, extremely happy about my uh, upcoming New York football Giants season as a massive Giants fan. I'm even going to the opener in Dallas. Thanks to my good buddy Doug Burgess for the hookup on the ticket. Went with him last year. He's a Cowboys fan, but he's a good guy and nice enough to offer me a ticket. So I'm going to be in the building on opening day in Dallas in enemy territory rooting on my Giants. Cannot wait for that. Excited about football season. As you guys hear this, I'm in Vegas, my favorite city. Uh, headed there with the wife for a couple days, getting a little bit of a break before things get really nuts for me towards the end of the year. As I mentioned, I have this TV project, which has not been officially announced yet, but I am shooting episodes of it at various music festivals. I'm going to be out at some of those coming up soon. Things that I can tell you about public festivals that I will be a part of include September 16th in Irisburg, Vermont, and that is called Shrinedom, a benefit for the Shriners, and that is uh, going to be featuring Vince Neal 
and Slaughter, who have been added to the bill recently, along with Warrant, Lita Ford, Firehouse, and many more. Look forward to seeing you there in Vermont. I will be on fumes at that thing because I just found out I have to fly from New Jersey to San Diego to do a TV shoot at this festival called Kaboo. And then overnight from San Diego to Vermont on connecting flights and then go host a festival. Woo! My gosh, it's going to be a rough one. (laughs) But uh, we'll see, man. Rock and roll, right? Got to keep plowing through. So I'll see you there for that if you happen to be in the area. Also, don't forget the DO Cancer Fund, the uh, the uh, sorry, the bowling event. Um, what's the name of it? There's a name. It, it's it's Bowl for Ronnie, I believe, and that's happening at Pins in Studio City on October sixth. I host that every year. I'm putting together my bowling team, which is going to include my buddies John Five. I think I got Doug Aldridge on board this year, so that'll be a blast. And we're going to be auctioning off a spot on my bowling team to raise money for the Dio Cancer Fund. So keep an eye on my social media. I'll let you know how you can bid on that. But it is open to the public. There is an admission. All the money we raise is, again, for the Dio Cancer Fund. Go to DioCancerFund.org for more info and join me and a bunch of other folks October 6th at PINS in Studio City. And I'll be in L.A. that entire week doing my volume show Excuse me, guys, it's been a long day. My voice a little bit ripped up. Uh, doing my volume show from L.A. that entire week, the week of October 2nd. So, so much going on, so much travel coming up, so many great things happening as we get into the last quarter coming up now of 2017, believe it or not. And as I always tell you, the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast, almost all of these originate on my radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and is heard live Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Radio Channel 106. The show is live from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. It replays every night from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and you can always listen whenever you want on the Sirius XM app. So here on the podcast, you're getting just the littlest of tastes of what happens on a daily basis on my radio show on Sirius XM. Hope you guys get on board and check me out on 106 if you have not already. And you can get involved and interact and call in and all that sort of good stuff. Of course, I got my terrestrial show on like 30 stations across the country, including some big ones, New York City, Boston, Milwaukee, Kansas City, on and on and on. Check my website, find a a, uh, station near you and listen to that. That is pretty much wall-to-wall music, and I think you will enjoy that as well. So those are all the different ways to connect. Social media, at Eddie Trunk. Twitter, where I'm most active. Instagram, Facebook, all at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the website. When you find me on Facebook, make sure you find the fan page. And that's uh, that's the one you'll see that I'm I'm totally active on. I do not maintain the personal page anymore. So if you are of interest in the Facebook world, take a look there. Just had a great couple interviews that I did for SiriusXM for town halls with Alice Cooper and one with Deep Purple. Hope to bring those to you on future podcasts. But if you are a SiriusXM subscriber, hear them now on demand on the SiriusXM app. So, yeah, long weekend coming up. I'm looking forward to a few days in Vegas. Like I said, my favorite city, place I'd love to move one day, although that's not happening anytime soon. But (laughs) it was up to me, it would, especially after I just got my property tax bill here in New Jersey. Insanity. 
But looking forward to a few days of uh, of a break there, a little fun, a little relaxation before I kick right back into all sorts of stuff. October 22nd, I'm back in Tulsa, where I will be there for uh, hosting a Warrant Firehouse show, and that'll be at the Ideal Ballroom in Tulsa, again, the 22nd of October. A lot of people have been asking me about this show that's been scheduled in Illinois, which is... Uh, which is called Rock and Skull. And I've been asked constantly about that show from people in that area that may or may not be attending that event and asking me what I know about it, because apparently there's been a fair share of controversy about it, locations being moved, bands dropping on and off. I got to tell you folks, with all of these festivals, and I'm not just taking a cop out here, Uh, Just like the bands, I am booked on them to appear and host. So I don't have anything to do with putting them together or what happens at them. But I can tell you that that festival has been moved, and it's now in a place called Tremont, Illinois, at Diesel Dicks. That's the name of the venue that it's now moved to. So I don't know anything about the lineup. I don't know what they plan on doing with the lineup. I don't. I know there's been changes to it, but all I know is as long as it's happening, I am scheduled to be there and hosted, and there is a new location, Tremont, Illinois, for Rock and Skull. Also, Parfest in Brookshire, Texas, on November 11th, which I am also scheduled to host with Don Dockin. And speaking of Texas, I was just in Houston a couple of weeks ago doing my radio show live from Houston in the House of Blues, and I want to send out my very best and my thoughts to all the folks in Houston just being devastated by this storm. It's absolutely incredible. I was just there. Some of the area that is being rocked by this storm is exactly where I was, and I've got some good friends there. And uh, you guys, if you are in that area, I am thinking of you and wishing you the best and May you stay safe and be safe. Uh, what else can I tell you? Yeah, so L.A. week, October 2nd for the radio show. And I, I can't. there's so much going on, I can't even really think of all of it. But I can tell you, as usual, keep an eye on my website, which is eddytrunk.com and the Trunk Report. You can get signed copies either either of my books there if you're interested. I just got new stock in. So if you're holding and waiting on your books, they will be in the mail to you shortly. You can order signed copies of either books. There's merch there, music news updated daily, all the stuff that you would want to know about in the world of rock. Just check it out at my website, eddytrunk.com. All right, so double dip this week. Two interviews for you coming your way. First up, we have... An interview with Jerry Cantrell, which I did a couple of weeks ago. Jerry called in predominantly to talk football. He is doing a charity fantasy football channel on Sirius XM for a great cause and also some auctions going on on eBay of some cool rock memorabilia, all for a great cause. Jerry will tell us about that cause, and we'll talk a little football with football season around the corner with the leader of Alice in Chains, Jerry Cantrell. It was a fun conversation, and it was a conversation that made a lot of news because Jerry did say that Alice in Chains have an album coming very soon. And it sounds, and you can listen to it for yourself and figure it out, but it sounds very much like it's going to be one of these deals where they just drop the album out of nowhere with no advance warning. But see what you think, Jerry Cantrell, coming up shortly. 
And the second interview of the show will be with Sully Erna, of course, of the band Godsmack. This one happened a few weeks earlier, and Sully talking about future plans with Godsmack and also a charitable thing that he was involved in as well. So uh, great stuff. You'll enjoy both of these. Jerry Cantrell of Alice in Chains, Sully Erna of Godsmack, two back-to-back interviews for you on this week's edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Uh, Speaking of news, I've got to address this as well. I talk about this all the time. It is a huge peeve of mine that the world we are in now, in the quote-unquote media, you know, you hear the term fake news a lot, and there is a lot of it in the world of rock music. And there are a lot of people that are just looking for clickbait and looking for headlines to get attention and who erroneously take things out of context and put them all over the Internet. And you have a ton of unbelievably green and unqualified people. I mean, the criteria for saying you're in media these days, I mean, you've got people running around who have a Facebook page or create this website out of nothing, and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're, they're media. And bands are talking to them because many of the bands really need the attention and want the attention. And then what will happen is somebody will do a story and say something that's a, a bit interesting, and then one website needs to pick it up and post it, and it just catches fire, and everyone just falls in line, and the story, by the time it gets out there, becomes something completely different, and in a completely different context than it was originally intended. And I have run into this over the years. It's one of the biggest obstacles I have doing what I do. And I am grateful and blessed that I have the audience that I have, and so many people pay attention to the things that I say. It comes with having done this for now almost 35 years, and I am grateful for it. Do not get me wrong. And I am appreciative when websites and news outlets cover my stories and post them. But something happened last week that is was absolutely insane. And lasted for four or five days all over the internet around the world. And it happened, originated in Houston a couple of weeks ago when I was there, as I mentioned earlier, to do a broadcast. And I do, on my volume show, I do something called Free For All Friday, where on Fridays all I do is take calls from the audience. And we talk rock music. We talk rumors. We talk speculation. We talk as rock fans things we'd like to see happen, stuff like that. So when I did Free For All Friday a couple weeks ago in Houston, I did it in the House of Blues, and I had a live audience in front of me. So I took also questions from people in the audience. One guy gets up and asks me, about Rush. And he's talking about how he's a Rush fan and he thinks they're done and Neil is done playing and what do I think could happen and what would I like to see happen. So we're having this conversation as fans in purely hypothetical terms. And I said to the guy, what I hear rumors of and what I would like to see happen, and I must have said rumors twice, is Getty and Alex getting together and doing a band. And I went into this whole explanation of why I think that's viable. And I said, you know, maybe it'd be called Lee Lifeson and they get a drummer and they wouldn't call it Rush. And that's what I said. But it was all in the context of a hypothetical. And just like you say, what would you like to see ACDC do? Well, 
Maybe Brian Johnson is going to come back. We just saw him last week perform with Muse. That sent a shot across the bow. Some people may think Axl Rose is coming back. So, you know, it, you just that's what I do on radio, and that's what we do for fun. We are music fans. I never once, unless I know something is fact, say something is fact. So this exchange with a fellow Rush fan about Rush, for whatever reason, about three days later, got picked up by a couple of major rock websites. And I'm not saying these websites did anything wrong. To the contrary, I'm grateful that they covered and do cover what I do. And the the initial postings about what was said and what I said about Rush were accurate. So I have no issue whatsoever with, with that. But then what happens is lesser websites and fan sites and every FM radio station in the country who has you know kids doing their websites to post news that they find took what I said and gave it a whole different context and life by taking a hypothetical and a rumor and generating headlines that said, Eddie Trunk says new Rush band being formed called Lee Lifeson. I mean, I saw looking for drummers. I mean, I saw the most insane things. Things completely out of context from what I said. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You want to talk about fake news and politics? It's rampant in the world of rock music. So all of a sudden, around the world, I am seeing my name attached to the announcement imminently of a new band with Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson. And it didn't matter how many times I refuted it and how many times I went on social media and said I never said this was fact, but it continued for days around the world, became a completely different story. Nobody taking the time to understand the context of what I said or that I said a rumor. It it really was madness. And the Rush camp reached out to me about it, and I never actually ended up, at least at the time I'm doing this, talking to them directly. But the Rush guys are friends. I never meant any drama by this. Uh, the Rush management team are friends. I've done tons of things with them. And they're good people, and they understand the world we're in as far as the Internet. So I don't think there's any real damage done. They get it. And they asked me if I would just simply post a you know, retraction from, you know, not retraction, but just more clarification because this thing went so crazy. And I'm hoping that it's, but I've even seen, like, people that know the band releasing a statement, it's not true. Well, I never said it was a, a done deal. I said that's what I think would be cool to happen, and I stand behind that. Now, how ironic would it be if it actually does happen? But I don't know. People just throw stuff out there. So that was my drama for the week. And and again, just to clarify, so there is no confusion whatsoever. I never, ever said that this was a done deal. 
I simply said, Getty told me he wants to continue to play. Alex is continuing to do some things. Neil, in my view, is done, as many people feel. So maybe there's a band of some sort with Lee and Lifeson that gets put together. That would be cool. I hear that, you know, people tell me that drummers were calling me weeks ago before I said anything about auditions that they were looking for me to help them get. I mean, so it's just all so crazy. And Rush fans, God bless them, and I'm one, are unbelievably fanatical and, you know, jump at anything. So one other website dangles a carrot, and the world went crazy in Rushland simply because of a conversation I had with a fellow Rush fan on my radio show talking about what we would like to potentially see happen with the band going forward. Anyway, I wanted to address that and clear that up because it it took some of my week earlier this week to put out that fire. Anyway, uh, let's take a, a break here and we will come back. First up, Jerry Cantrell, followed by... Followed by uh, Sully Erna. And in the coming weeks, I'll bring you Alice Cooper. I'll bring you Deep Purple. I'll bring you Dave Perner of Soul Asylum. Many more cool interviews to come. New podcasts every Thursday, podcast1.com and iTunes. Let's take this break. We'll come back. The leader of Alice in Chains, Jerry Cantrell, talking some football and talking, of course, some Alice in Chains next. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. So do you have a business that's hiring? Well, do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter, because you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. That's right, one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place. And that one place is ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners of the Eddie Trunk Podcast can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash trunk, T-R-U-N-K. ZipRecruiter.com slash trunk. One more time to try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash trunk. Here at Podcast One, we love hearing from you. We read every tweet and comment you send our way. So don't miss your chance to take our summer listener survey. Just go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. Or go to podcastone.com slash mysurvey. It only takes a few minutes, and it gives you the opportunity to make a direct impact on your favorite shows. Tell us how you really feel so we can get to know you better. We value your thoughts and participation. So check out the survey at podcastone.com slash mysurvey. Or click on the survey banner on podcast one.com this is the eddie trunk podcast all right we're back it's eddie trunk and with football season just around the corner 
Jerry Cantrell of Allison Chains joins me talking a little football, talking about some charitable stuff he's doing with fantasy football, which I admit I am not a fantasy football guy at all, but I know many people are, so you may find the fantasy thing interesting. But Jerry also has a cool auction going on, all for a very great cause. So without further ado, Jerry Cantrell of Allison Chains on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Jerry, how are you, man? What's happening, dude? I'm good. Good. Kevin Cronin from REO, who was just on his way out of here, said, make sure you say hi to Jerry. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, he's a great guy, man. Great voice. Yeah, yeah he is. Still, after all these yeah. years, that's what yeah. I said to him. He so many of those guys have been doing it for 40, 50 years, and it's not they can't sing it anymore, but he can still belt it out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Allison Chains, I know you guys over the years have been on some interesting bills, but did you ever tour with Ario Speedwagon? <laughs> <laughs> we never did. We never did that. But uh, in the early in the early days, we had a pretty pretty disparate you know group of folks that we you know we would play with anybody. You know when uh, when uh, somebody would like cancel like for an opener in Seattle, you know we'd play with anybody from you know po- we we played with everybody from uh, poison to slayer to iggy pop to extreme we opened for helix once for god's sakes <laughs> wow you got your heavy metal love on right there man yeah dude we did yeah <laughs> that was one of our that was one of our first gigs with like a you know like a like a bigger band it was, yeah we op- we opened up for those guys right in front of the uh, seattle center yeah. did you did, when you were on bills like that back in the day and of course everybody knows clash of the titans you guys did but when you were on some of those bills did you always go over or were some of them really rough well you know we always we always uh we always kind of took it as a challenge you know like uh playing maybe with a band that we didn't quite kind of fit with you know what i mean and and uh it was always a challenge and it was also a group of people that maybe might not be they're not your fans you know so that we, we we did a lot of gigs like that for the first couple of years that we were a band and i think it made us a better band because sometimes it was Sometimes it was pretty rough, you know. Sometimes we were playing while things were being thrown and stuff was raining from the sky on us, you know. But we, we can uh, that that happened to us opening for uh, Slayer at Red Rocks in Denver. It's a classic show for our whole set. Uh, we basically had to dodge stuff for like thirty minutes or whatever while was, while everybody was throwing stuff at us, and we we kind of started throwing stuff back and continuing to play. I remember. Uh, meeting some Slayer fans at the uh, after that, and they were walking over to us. I'm like, "Oh, these guys are gonna kick our ass!" <laughs> and they're like, and they walked over and they're like, "Hey, you didn't you didn't give up? You didn't quit? I guess you're all right." So, <laughs> yeah, and as you as I'm sure you well know, that's kind of commonplace with Slayer. I mean, not so much now. I was talking to somebody about that the other day. Like in the last ten years or so, not that Slayer is mellowed, but it seems like the audience is a little bit more objective. But for the <laughs> but earlier than that, I mean, it didn't. Well, we're all getting we're all getting older. <laughs> <laughs> but I even see girls at Slayer shows. Like I see women at Slayer shows now. Yeah. You never saw that before. Yeah, but yeah, I, they got a they got, they've got a dedicated following for sure. Yeah, but the, nobody opened for Slayer. Nobody. I, I used to introduce Slayer when they played New York, and I was actually one of the people that played their records on my show in New York. And I remember, I remember Mike Piazza, the baseball player, is a good friend. He would come to the shows. He'd stand on the side of the stage, and he'd be like. Dude, they're even booing you, and you actually play their records. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but Mike, Slayer fans boo everything. It's kind of what you do. Yeah, you know? and they're definitely a band. They're definitely a band you don't want to play after either. 
You know, they're, right. they're one of a handful of bands, you know, that you just don't want to play after. And you know, in my opinion, you right, know, they're, right. they're, they're so they're so great. Well, before we talk a little, uh, a few minutes on what you got going on as far as music is concerned, we want to mention uh, something very cool that's happening. The Alice in Chains Fantasy Football League Draft and Charity Auction. And this is going to take place on Tuesday, September 5th, 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports. And that is channel 210 on Sirius, channel 87 on XM, and of course on the Sirius XM app. And you can find the auction items at ebay.com slash. Alice dash in dash chains. Tell us a little bit about this, Jerry. Are you a big, uh, are you, I imagine you're a big football fan and a big fantasy guy as well. Yeah. You know, Mike and I have always been big football fans and, and, uh, Mike actually kind of got me interested in fantasy football about, I don't know, about 10 years ago, invited me to be in a league with him and some friends. And after doing that for a couple of years, it was really fun, you know, kind of kind of opened up your eyes to other teams in the league rather than just your team, you know, and, and so you, you kind of got a wider scope of, 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 of the NFL and uh, it was just kind of fun to do. And I thought, well, why don't we just do this for charity? We'll get a bunch of our, 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 our friends in the music business, you know, uh, some people in the sports world, uh, you know, maybe, maybe in, uh, in, you know, actors and stuff too. And, uh, and, and we'll, uh, we'll do a charity league and every year we'll try to raise money and we'll give it away to the winner's charity of choice, so you still got something to fight for. This last year, of course, I won for the first time, by the way. <laughs> so wow. Took me eight, took me eight years to be the champ, but I'm the champ this year, so we're giving our uh, – so I'm choosing uh, uh, Music Cares and Music for Relief. We'll split the proceeds, yeah. And the, uh, the Music for Relief, uh, one more light fun in memory of Chester Bennington, right? Yeah, yeah. We're actually we're making the donations in uh, – the uh, music for relief donation will be in Chester's name, and the, the donation to Music Cares will be in Chris's name. Yeah. Can you can you since since you are making those donations to both Chester and Chris, who we tragically lost recently, can can you give us a little something on either of those guys? And your, I imagine, with Chris especially, you had a huge history with. Yeah, much much you know much much closer uh, and longer history with uh, with Chris for, for sure. But both both of them, I you know had the, the fortune to to spend time with and, and be friends with and kind of, and be around. And, you know, there were, uh, you know, they're two of the finest human beings I know, you know, I've, I've ever had the pleasure to know. So, you know, it is, it is a huge loss, but, uh, you know, they both left, uh, both left a, uh, you know, a, some, some, some really amazing music behind, you know, and, uh, the, the, you know, trying, just trying to do a little, uh, little positive recognition for both of them. That's all just making a donation. So, Well, it's very, very cool that you're doing that. eBay.com yeah. slash Alice-in-chains for more information on the auction items. Off the top of your head, do you know what's up there as far as the auction items that are some of the marquee things right now? Uh, I don't know what uh, – I don't, don't have the page in front of me. I know we got some stuff from Zach. We got a guitar from me, uh, Duff Fruit and a bass. I think we have uh, – uh, the last couple of the years, we, we've we've actually expanded outside the league to be able to. We've had a lot of friends donate stuff as well. Um, I think uh, I think Robert Downey Jr. Uh, donated a uh, his uh, uh, Iron Man kind of little button or <laughs> whatever that he signed. Wow, that's what they call it. That's huge but, though for uh, fans of that sort of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. We had uh, Renner and uh, and and uh, and Robert uh, in the league two years ago, so it was kind of fun. We had a couple of Avengers in the league. 
I got to ask you this, man. On fantasy football, I I'm a huge football fan. First of all, who's your team? Uh, is your team uh, who's your who's your football team that you root for in the pros? Seattle Seahawks. That's the hometown team, right? But I'm actually, I'm also old enough to have been a fan of football before we got the Seahawks. So I was a Steelers fan back then. So I I, I still am. You know, I still love both the teams. So so here's uh, my so. here's my issue because I I'm a massive. NFL guy and a massive New York Giants fan. That's my team, right? So I, yeah, yeah. I've never gotten into fantasy and really in any way have never been in a league, never done it. My friends do the drafting and all that. And I've never done it because <laughs> my thing about it is I, I, I have friends of mine that are in it and they, they find themselves rooting against some of their own team <laughs> and their players because they need to make these fantasy numbers. I'm like, are you guys out of your fucking mind? It's like there's yeah, no circumstance yeah. on the planet I could find myself rooting for somebody on the Cowboys as a Giants fan. Yeah. Home team always comes first. Your team always comes first. Fantasy football comes second. But it is, you know, it, it is kind of an odd thing that – you end up caring about a receiver on the Jacksonville Jaguars or whether the kicker for the Browns makes a couple of field goals because your team is made up of players of all teams. You know, you have uh, 16, 16 players from various teams. And uh, it's just kind of a, you know, it's uh, for, for me, uh, you know, being, being a huge fan of it, uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. It just kind of makes you a little bit more aware of, aware of the whole league as a whole, you know, and, and I've been a fan. It's, it's really the only sport sport I care about. So, uh, so, you know, it's, it's fun to do. And, and what we're doing here with it, you know, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of other folks that do the same thing. And I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. You get to be a football fan nut. And uh, at the same time, you get to actually do a little competition between your bros and raise some money uh, for some good causes every year. Yeah, no doubt. And obviously, it's absolutely huge. And I I get all that. It's just for me, these TV shows come on and these radio shows come on and I'm listening to them (laughs) and I'm listening to them talk about stats and stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. Oh, it's one of those fantasy shows. Like, oh, my God. But the thing I get about it is the fact that, like, for me – I watch the Giants. Those three hours a week are sacred for me, and I'll watch other games. Like I'm with you. Football's my favorite sport, so football's the only sport I'll watch two other teams playing. You know, it doesn't have to be my team, yeah, yeah. but right. it, it does keep you interested even in blowout games, right? Because you're worried about rooting for the outcomes of certain players versus what the total score is. Yeah, well, blowout games are actually great for uh, your players to be able to make points because if they're if the other team is up so much. And your guy's not having such a good day. Once they pull their first string, they start they can start racking up points on the back end. So that's kind of that's kind of nice too. You get they call it garbage time. The game's over. It doesn't matter. But your guy could still be you know getting a touchdown and eighty yards or whatever, and that all counts. You know, so that's it's it's fun. It's a geek, you know it's a goofy geeky thing to do. <laughs> right. There's there's a huge community that that has a lot of fun doing it. You know, and I've been really fortunate also to be. Uh, kind of be, become friends with a lot of the guys who kind of do that, like John Hansen and Michael Fabiano and Matt Berry and uh, and Rich Eisen. You know, I mean, uh, a lot of the guys in, in in that sort of world. So it's it's, it's been really fun getting to know those guys and uh, and also picking their brain because those guys, they're like the top guys yeah. doing that. You know, so, yeah. so, so the draft the draft for for this year is going to take place on September fifth. <laughs> People are going to be able to hear the draft live as it happens on the the SiriusXM Fantasy channel. Is that the idea? 
That's right. We did it last year. Uh, we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to do another live draft uh, uh, this year as well. So okay. uh, Sirius has really stepped up and got behind us and helped us kind of, you know, get a bigger platform to to kind of get it out to people, let them know what we're doing, and 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 help us in the process of uh, you know raising some funds for charity. So, so going into this draft, Jerry Cantrell, the the football GM, if you can pick three guys that nobody else has that you could start your team with who's the three guys you're picking well i the last couple of years with fantasy football uh the the old kind of the old way to do it was really loading up on running backs and that's it's a really key position so you would probably spend your first couple of picks on some decent uh really uh strong running backs you know and uh but but the receiver position has become a little bit more important too. So the last couple of years, I've actually been going towards receivers. So I'm usually picking like Julio Jones or uh, I want like Julio Jones or Antonio Brown. You know, like a number one, the top receiver in the league. Whoa, 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 like, whoa, whoa! Now the Giants fan in me is going to start chiming in there because you know we've got an elite he's, receiver. He's, he's in there too. He's, All he's right. In there too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But but the Seahawks fan in you, do you like do you just because you're a Seahawks fan, do you go do you take Russell Wilson if he's there or you or you you can't play that hometown allegiance <laughs> thing? <laughs> well, that there's there's there, you can really mess yourself up by doing that. Uh I have this conversation with Duff McKagan every year and he never listens to me. He always ends up with five <laughs> five Seahawks on his team and he loses every year. And I'm like, "Dude, get one guy on your team." If, if 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 your team if the Seahawks have a bad game, all your guys have a bad game, you know. So just just have one guy that has a bad game. You, you get your homer pick. I usually have a Steeler. I got a, a and a Seahawk, you know. So I'm good. But you definitely want to spread it around to different teams. Otherwise, if you too heavy on one team, uh, you're dependent on what that performance is, and it can affect like half your team if the game uh, the team has a bad game. So. See, I'm so, I, I know why I can't do this now because I'm such a homer. I couldn't do it. Like the draft <laughs> happens, I'm, I'm even though I know Eli's not the best quarterback, I'm taking him. It's like it's ridiculous. I yeah, can't, yeah. I can't yeah. bring myself to root, for, especially if it would be. I, I, there's no under no circumstances could I take anybody yeah. from the Cowboys, the Redskins, <laughs> or the Eagles because I have to root against them violently every week. So it's, it a, does, it's a bit of a conflection. I yeah, admit. I can't. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> uh let me i got the i got the page up by the way for the uh, alice and change charity auction which is on ebay you, you have some incredible stuff here you've got a, a, a your own guitar signed you've got stuff from the cult you've got a guns and roses one you mentioned deftone oh that's right yeah uh, Stone Sour, the Zach Wild guitar, which is one of his own uh his own line that he came out with they even got yep. some country you, stuff you can, in here you can take a guitar lesson for me for that matter if you want to Oh yeah! Want to donate some money? I'll give you a guitar lesson. Jerry Cantrell private guitar lesson. Uh, That's up to three thousand one hundred and fifty dollars, or forty nine bits. Uh, our good friend uh, uh, Elton John uh, came through uh, about a week and a half ago and donated his personal private box to a couple of people for to come see his show in his private box. Wow! Yeah, Great. I see that on here now too. That's amazing. Yeah, that is very very cool. Blue Man Group stuff and. Uh, You've got yep. all sorts of cool Lincoln Park autographed tour poster. So Vinnie Paul autographed drum head. So check Anthrax, yep. our our mutual buddy Scott has got some stuff Scott, up there. Yep. 
So again, go to the uh, go to the eBay page, and you can help out that way as well. eBay.com slash Alice dash in dash chains. Jerry, before I let you roll, what do you, what can you tell us on the music side? You guys working on music? Yeah, we're uh, we're in the process of cobbling together some tunes, and hopefully, uh, hopefully in the very near future, we'll uh, have something out for you guys. Yeah. You got a target date? You want to get it out this year? You thinking next year? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. When 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 we're ready, we'll let you know. <laughs> All right. And we, are, we 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 are in the process of working on stuff. Yeah. So have you started recording, or is it just writing at this point? I'm not going to say. Okay. <laughs> well, well, you know, I get that because I do like this trend that some bands are going down where they just kind of drop stuff on you. They don't let you know every little gory detail, and we've yeah. seen that happen a few times. A few bands have done that recently that I think has been pretty I, cool. I will say we got a few things brewing, so. All right. It, it, it probably won't be too much longer, yeah. And live shows, anything lined up, or that's to come as well? Yeah, that's probably the part of the whole package. But, uh, again, you know, uh, we get, we get one one step at a time. We can't go out and do that until we make a make a great record, in our opinion. And then hopefully, we hopefully a few other people like it too. And the last thing, you know, I love I love your solo records. Is there a side of you that would like to do another one of those at some point? Yeah, probably. You know, down down the road, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. I just you know, Alice has always been my number one concern since 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 I started the band with the guys and, and uh, you know, that's kind of where my heart's always been. So uh, it takes, it takes plenty, plenty to one band's plenty. You know? yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? One, one band's plenty, plenty of, uh, plenty of attention. And, and uh, you know, about, uh, this is where my heart's always been. And, and uh, you know, still happy to be here working with the guys moving forward making music you know well that's refreshing to hear in a day and age when every guy seems to be in five bands at the same time that you're happy to just hang your hat on one i just don't have the energy for that i I have to (laughs) off to all all those guys i think i'm a little too lazy yeah (laughs) (laughs) one one band's enough yeah for me i'm good well, listen, man, good, good luck with your football draft and, uh, and this auction. It's great stuff that you're doing, and I look forward to hearing the new music, and maybe when that's ready, we'll, we'll, we'll get to, to spend some time again. Cool. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks for helping us get the word out. Absolutely, yeah. Jerry. Take care, man. Thanks for calling. Cool. All right, dude. See you, man. All right, we're back. And, uh, well, I'm back. That was Jerry Cantrell. We thank Jerry Cantrell for some time. We're going to hit a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to welcome as our second interview this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast from Godsmack, Sully Erna. That's up next. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, you guys watching A&E's Emmy-nominated groundbreaking docuseries, Leah Remini, Scientology and the Aftermath? Check it out. It's returned for season two with new episodes Tuesdays, 9, 8 central on A&E. Leah Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath, follows Leah along with high-level former Scientology executives and church members as they delve deep into shocking stories of abuse, heartbreak, and harassing experiences by those who have left the church and spoken publicly about these experiences. This season, Leah Remedy continues her quest to give a voice to victims of the Church of Scientology. It's riveting stuff. The series also explores accounts of former members whose lives have been significantly impacted by the church's practices. Leah Remedy helping people take action, turning survivors into fighters, revealing truths, and seeking justice. 
Check it out. Catch up on the old episodes on the A&E app and at AETV.com. And be sure to check out new episodes again every Tuesday, 9, 8 central on A&E. Leah Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath, Season 2, happening now. HBO's Game of Thrones is back for its seventh season. Winter is finally here, and so are the White Walkers. Will the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros survive the threat from the North, or will they fall in the looming war for the Iron Throne? After you're done watching an episode, join the discussion here on the Game of Thrones After Show on Podcast One. Every week, our hosts discuss each episode in detail, from shocking twists to fan theories, as the series chronicles the violent struggle among the realm's noble families for ultimate power. Join the fray every week on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. True Car, you know the deal about True Car. Maybe something a lot of people don't know. And that is using True Car can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there's over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. So whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing, information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars, and a better buying experience through the True Car Certified Dealer Network. And who doesn't want that? There's over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. You'll see what other people paid for the car you want, so you can now see what a fair price is and feel confident. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Using True Car, you can easily find the new or used car you want. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. How are you, Sully? Hey, Eddie. What's happening? How you been, bro? Oh, I'm good, man. Got a little time off? Are you home or are you on the road right now? I Time off for me is dangerous, so I try <laughs> to just stay busy even when I'm not on the road. But no, we've just been doing um, a handful of you know uh, one-off shows just to kind of stay tuned up and pay a few bills this year. But the the real touring doesn't start till next year because um, we're not going to drop a record till probably April. <laughs> You're talking about with Godsmack now, right? Yes, yes, yeah. I, I am doing a few last uh, shows with uh, the solo thing to wrap that up, uh, which ends. Um, I'm going out. I, it's uh, pretty much Europe, I think, um, September, mid-September through first week in October. So I have a few weeks left uh, of dates to do with that. And then I go right into the studio to start recording the new Godsmack record. Well, that's something that a lot of people will be excited about. You know, man, before we talk about your solo thing and, and also this very great cause that you're, you're, you're doing with Mark Wahlberg, just speaking about Godsmack for a second, you know, it's crazy for me because I've been doing this for so long. I don't think I, – I still think of Godsmack as a relatively new band, even though you guys have been doing it for a long time. But that's how long I've been doing it. But it's really cool for me because I'm out there at these festivals from time to time. It's really cool to for me to see how this band has connected with people over the years and how the music you made with Godsmack has really grown. I mean, you're out there headlining some really big festivals, bringing a huge stage show. It's got to feel really good for you because there's a lot of bands that came out around the time Godsmack did. And, and honestly, they're off the radar. They really didn't maintain like you guys did. So so talk a little bit about that. It's got to make Make you feel real good to see what the band standing is now after all these years. 
Yeah, it it does. You know, I mean, it, it's certainly a badge of honor that we wear proudly because you know this band worked really hard and developed very organically from the beginning, like you know every other band did that has had you know some decent longevity. Um, and and you know it was just a process, uh, just like anything else, you know. And and uh, I think the thing that we're the most proud of is that we we did go through those the turmoil times. We went through some really you know, moments that, that should have broke this band up, um, you know, and, and went through all the stuff that's so cliche to hear about, you know, the drinking and the partying and, um, you know, and the hangovers and the fights and the abandonment, you know, everything else that you could think of, um, you know, the band went through it. And there was so many times where we were touring on the road for so long that, uh, you know, things weren't really good. And yet you're out there being a robot and a slave to the grind and, and, um, you know, I remember being out there, I didn't talk to my band for two weeks at one point, and we were, you know, doing five shows a week, and I would literally wait for them to go on stage after the intro, and then I'd walk out and do the show, and I'd get off stage before they ended the song and get on the bus and go, and it was like crazy. But, but you know, long story short, the good thing is is that we recognized it. You know, we knew that there was a problem. We knew that we were overexhausted, and we were working too much at one point, and we were relying on... Uh, a lot of those things for for medicinal purposes and stuff, and then we went and got help, you know, and we we got help for the for the band. It wasn't so much about the addiction part of it; it was about the brotherhood, you know, why we do this in the first place. And so we've gotten over a lot of those mountains, you know, and, and now we're to the way on the other side of it. And the band's getting along better now than ever, and um, and that's I think the part we're the most proud of, you know. And it takes a lot of work, and I just think a lot of bands that go through those phases, which you do. It's kind of like marriage. Um, you know, some of them just don't have the patience or the tolerance to, to be able to do the work it takes to get to the other side of it. But there is another side of it. You just have to endure, you know, the, that learning curve and, and everything else that comes along with, uh, you know, being successful in this industry. You know, you talk about what you went through there for a period with Godsmack where you would not talk to the guys for two weeks and you'd walk out and be off the stage before they even ended. I think a lot of fans a lot of fans would be surprised at how much that is the norm with a lot of bands for a really yeah. long time. I mean, you you guys got you guys went through it and came out the other side as you said, but there are bands that have done that that people would be shocked at for for decades that's how they exist and that's just I mean the road is a a grind to begin with as you mentioned. It's just when when you're like that, I imagine it's just got to be just it takes so much of the fun out of it not having a brotherhood out there. Yeah, and even with the crew, you know, it's really important, I think, that people select, um, especially if there's young bands out there that are on their first, second record and they're still in this part of figuring it out. It's really important you select um, people that you care about and that feel like family. You know, I know bands that are out there, I won't, I won't mention any names, but they treat their crew awful. They don't even know. I know guys that, have, you know, don't even know their guitar tech's name. Like, that's insane to me because this is the only people that you have out there. You know, you rely on each other and, um, you have to have a piece of home with you. If you're going to live on the road, you have to bring things um, and some kind of support system with you, um, especially in the young days, because you don't have the budget. You don't have, you know, that kind of um, freedom to, to be able to, you know, take luxury, some kind of luxury with you, whether it's pieces of your, you know, something for your dressing room or, or being able to hire friends or family to be able to work for you. Um, so we, we were kind of, you know, ahead of that from the beginning. We, we, 
I don't know if it's just something on the, I've noticed the East coast, West coast mentality is a little bit different when it comes to this kind of thing, but there's a real pride here in Boston and new England. There's a certain kind of um, loyalty and, and kind of silent honor system that happens amongst friends and family and people stick together here, you know? So from the beginning, we, we kind of groomed a lot of our friends and, 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 and people that we, you know, had grown up with to be our drum techs and our guitar techs or our lighting guys or whatever. And, uh, and as the band grew, you know, they went from selling T-shirts to learning how to set up a drum set or to learning how to, you know, we'd send them to go learn how to run a lighting board and whatever. And now some of these guys have gone on to become some of the best techs out there. Um, and so it's nice, you know, so at least we have that as well. When you said earlier that time off for you is a dangerous thing, were you alluding to, you know, <laughs> battles with substances and falling off the wagon, or was it something else? Yeah, well, I've never been on the wagon. I, I never had to go to, like, a rehab or anything like that. Um, I, I just, I I don't know. For me, it was like I wanted to make sure that I didn't feel that I didn't have control of that, and so I always kind of did it on my own. But... um. I don't really party like I used to. That's for sure. I mean, I may have a glass of wine occasionally, things like that. Shannon's sober now. Tony's been sober, you know. Um, but it's just one of those things that, yeah, you know, when, when I get into that and I fall into that pattern, that's it's all bad. You so know, it's, it's harder. Like, so, so Sully, it's harder for you when you're home versus when you're on the road because for most bands, no, the, the bad habits the and temptations are on the road, right? Yeah, no, it's the opposite. But, but, but here's the thing. So. Again, you know, you're, you're kind of opening up a rabbit hole that we don't probably have time for. But for me, what it is is that, you, you know, you you can get lost in that world. You know, it's another thing that you have to learn out there. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a facade. You know, a lot of this stuff for me, it's not that it's not real. It's just that it's not really life. It's not reality. You know, it's just because you start to become successful in a band doesn't necessarily mean that that's, you know, who you are and what you do, you get, you can get really caught up in the praises and the ups and downs of all the road. And so out there, it's, it's kind of like superhuman, you know, then you come home and everything stops on a dime and you find yourself chewing your fingernails going like, what do you do? Because out there, you know how it is. You've been around it enough. It's press, it's photos, it's interviews, it's meet and greets, it's shows, it's catering, it's this, it's that. And then all of a sudden they go, okay, tour's over. And you go home with you sitting on your couch and it's way too quiet. And you're like, hmm, I need to call a girl or go out and have some drinks with my friend or like something because, you know, you're kind of freaking out. And so that's the part for me that, like, I don't like to sit still too long because I don't want to fall into the habits of just boredom taking over. And uh, so I stay busy and I write music or I tour on the solo thing or I produce with other bands and um, whatever it takes, you know, to just kind of, like, not be sitting here. Do you still do you still live in Boston in the in the area? I do, yeah. I'm about 30 minutes north of Boston. So you still have a lot of your friends that you grew up with and people like that around nearby you? I do, you know. Um, and uh, some of these guys have been in my life for well over 25 years, you know. Um, some of them aren't around anymore, um, but the ones who are, uh, you know, are there for a reason. You know, they've earned their my trust and, and loyalty and things like that because we've been through – many wars and weathered many storms together and uh there's a lot of history there and so 
and yeah. they stuck by. And that's so a good thing. Well that, yeah, the reason why I ask is because that's I find I think that's a really good thing to kind of keep you grounded and keep you in your in your lane. Because even for what I do, I have that. I mean, I have I have a couple close friends that I grew up with that couldn't give a shit that I was on TV or that I'm on the radio or anything to do with music or whatever. It's just like when we get together, none of that stuff even comes up. It's it's a connection at a whole different level. And I think that's a really helpful thing to have, you know. And I was just wondering if that was still the case with you. Yeah, it really is. It's probably the most important thing for me because, um, you know, I don't come from a big family either. So I didn't, I never had that. I didn't, you know, sit at a, a Thanksgiving table with, you know, six brothers and sisters and a bunch of aunts and uncles and all that stuff. I mean, it was okay. It was, you know, it was important, the people that I had in my life. And, um, but, but my friends, you know, the people that I've kind of grown up on the streets with and got into trouble with and all that stuff, it's all come full circle. And yet we're still um, living within miles of each other, you know. I mean, some of these guys that are in my life, I, one of my best friends I've known for 32 years or whatever it's been now. And and that's like, you know, irreplaceable to me. Yeah. So those kind of things, you know, are critical for me to continue to do what I do because without a great support system, you know, it's a pretty lonely place to be. People, you know, see that one hour that you're on stage or whatever, and it just feels like, you know, you can levitate. I mean, to them, it looks like, you know, the most amazing thing, the most amazing lifestyle you can live, but they forget that there's 23 other hours in the day that you're traveling and, and you're by yourself. And so to me, you know, a, a really great support system and having, close friends and people that you care and love about it is, you know, probably the most important thing. Teddy Trunk talking with Sully Erna for a bit. For info on Sully, there's uh, the website sully.erna.com and also godsmack.com, of course, for information about Godsmack, who Sully said they're ramping up, getting ready for a record. There's one Godsmack show on the books right now. You're doing a show in PA, I see on your website in Bethlehem, actually. That's the last one. And that's the last one. And then you've got a European tour with your solo thing, which for people that that have not seen or haven't followed what you're doing outside of Godsmack, simply under your own name, it's it's a big decompress. It's a big difference than the big bombastic heavy rock show with flames shooting up and everything. That's got to be a nice change of pace for you, too, to be able to have those two worlds to walk in. Yeah, it's good. You know, to me, everything's about balance now. You know, I've learned that I have to have both to be whole you know i need i need to be this in order to be that um and so you know Godsmack is that it's the big you know monster it's the it's the thing that i can kind of release all the demons and in, in a more vocal visible way and aggressive and it's kind of uh it's like the five-year-old jumping up and down and stomping his feet and, and crying for the cookie you know <laughs> where the the other thing is it's more of the seductive side it's more of a uh, but it's more, you know, organic and and, um, and earthy and mystical, and it's just a, for me, it's another, it's another side, it's another style of music. I also enjoy playing. You know, another thing that happens for me when I get older is that I'm not that young, angry guy anymore that I was when I first put Godsmack together. I was going through a lot of stuff then, you know, bad breakups and battling a lot of different things, um, and I was angry. You know, I was young, I was inexperienced, and um, all these problems that we have from our childhoods through you know, relationships or drugs and alcohol, whatever, all that stuff kind of comes out and release the demons and it comes out in a very aggressive, loud way. And of course, growing up with Zeppelin and Sabbath and Rush and Aerosmith and Judas Priest and all these 
bands that were hard rock and metal, it's no wonder that Godsmack, you know, had a more of a hard rock edge to it like that and loud. Um, but I've been a musician my whole life. And so there's a lot of times where I just sit at the piano or with an acoustic guitar and I write other songs. And a lot of those songs come out real beautiful to me. And, but I just know that there's, it's not quite right for Godsmack. Right. So I put them to the side, and then when I have some time, I record them, and you know, and that's what I've released. And it was very personal. It wasn't really for me. I, I didn't care about critics. I don't care about number one singles. I don't care if the record sold one album. It was a very, those are very personal records for me, and I just, you know, enjoy different instruments and things like that, and composing different styles of music. So um, it helps me grow as a musician. And then when I come back to Godsmack, I have some more tools to work with, and try to get some more originality out of that music. Uh, Sully's latest solo album for people that want to check it out is called Hometown Life, and that is available now. And before I let you go, bro, you I wanted to talk to you about, speaking of addiction and things like that, you're, you're, doing, you're working with another Boston guy in uh, Mark Wahlberg, the Mark Wahlberg Youth Foundation. Talk a little bit about that, because it has to do with opioid addiction, right? Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, I met I met Mark a while back. I think it was in 2000 when we were touring with Limp Bizkit over in Europe, and he popped in the dressing room one day, um, you know, and he was kind of still fresh into just starting his acting career. He's doing well, but he's still fairly new. Um, and so, and then over the years, we kind of bumped into each other a couple times here and there at a Patriots game or whatever, and just kept in touch. And he's always been a really cool guy, and he's a fan of the band, and I've been a huge fan of him. Um, and through a couple of mutual friends, I met his brother, Jim, who runs the whole youth foundation. Um, and he invited me, you know, he, he had heard some of the soul stuff and he goes, listen, you got to come see what we do. And invited me to this arena in Lowell, Massachusetts. And I walked in and I remember the first thing I seen, I looked, you know, he took me in the backstage way as we came into the arena, like side stage, I looked to my left and, and the whole loge section from the floor all the way up to the balcony was just filled with, you know, women and men that were sitting there holding a photo of their child, just real still and somber looking. And, and it just sent a chill up my spine because I go, oh, my God, like, uh, is this arena full of all these people that have lost their kids to, you know, to opioid addictions and stuff like that? And, and it kind of just, you know, it just it left me breathless for a minute. And then, of course, they play this intro and they do this whole piece where, the arena was filled with high school and elementary school kids and stuff, you know, to bring up the awareness level about making sure that they understand that being drug free is up to them. It's, you know, it's not something we're battling it, but it's not going to go away. And it's up to us to, to turn it away, you know, turn away from it. But so, you know, and it's pretty intense and this, this, you know, they show in real live overdoses and all that stuff. And by the end, it has a bit more of an up-tempo feel and they bring out, you know, live bands and things like that. So that's kind of what these events are about. They travel around and they bring up the awareness of, of the opiate addiction and heroin and everything else that's out there and pills and stuff um, and how it starts. Sometimes it's just through someone getting a surgery and doctors are just a bit careless about what they prescribe. And next thing you know, you're you know addicted to these kind of pills and, and it kind of leads you down that road from there. Um, but anyways, so long story short, again, he, you know, he came to me and he just said, you know, this song is really kind of hits home and, you know, we should kind of do a collaboration. And he connected me with one of his directors and we did a video for it, um, you know, based on someone losing someone to, uh, an overdose. And, um, and from there, you know, we're just trying to, I guess, 
become more visible about this whole thing and this crazy epidemic that's kind of, you know, taking over this country right now. And for me, it was real personal because the hub of it, we found out, has come through Lawrence, Massachusetts, where the cartel has moved in and everything. It's become like the hub of all the heroin that's being dealt throughout New England and wow. parts of the country. And so that's where I grew up and, you know, was born and raised. And so for me, it was a no-brainer to get involved with them. A great bunch of guys, and they really spend... I mean, Jim lives and breathes and eats and sleeps this stuff and dedicated his whole, all his time to it. So, you know, hopefully we can just help make a difference and you know, keep the awareness up and, and just introduce kids to a different side. Is there any website or anything people can go to to learn more about this and get more information? Is there a place we should send them? Yeah, don't you have it? <laughs> uh, I'm looking. I'm scrolling through the press release to see if there's a web address, but I didn't. I mean, I know I see your. Oh, here we go. Mark Wahlberg Youth Foundation dot org. There you go. Or Recovery Centers of America dot com. Either of those addresses uh, to learn more information. I think that's awesome that you're doing that, man. That's that's very good stuff. Both you and Mark and the whole team working on that. Hey, hey, before I let you go, I got to ask you one thing. We'll end this on a much lighter note. You sure. mentioned a Patriots game that you went to. Now, yeah. now I'm curious. I've always been curious about this because I am a fanat- I am a massive New York Giants fan. That's my team. Good I grew God. up with my whole life. Right? It's where I'm from. I know where you're going with this, by the way. No, no, no. Here's what here's what I got to ask you, and I'm not even busting uh-huh. balls. I found okay. this out recently, and I'm really I was really sort of shocked by this. Patriots fans, by and large, hate the Giants more than the Jets. You, is you, are you asking me? Yeah, I think so. Because of the two, because of the two Super Bowls. No, I don't think it's that. I think this goes beyond us and beyond that. That, <laughs> that, that those years. I think this goes back, back because even the Red Sox and the Yankees. You know how long that's gone on for. I mean, ever since Babe Ruth, you know, got traded, went to the Yankees. Like that's just been this unbelievable, like crazy. Um, you know that that's that that's kind of I think where it all derived from. So I think Boston, New York, has just always had this rival thing. Yeah, but I you understand know, with, with the that, yeah, but the Jets—they're in your division. I mean, I, I obviously, yeah. and I'm not a Jets fan. Don't get so me I, wrong; we hate the Jets too. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> but the Jets are like an uh, an annoying gnat to you. You just have to flick them away. I mean, they, they've they're, they've been nothing forever. So that's not even. But but they're a division rival. Like for me, my whole focus of sports hatred is the Eagles, the Redskins, and by far the. Cowboys at number one. They're in my division. They're rivals. I hate them. I, I found this out recently. I was shocked by it because I'll give you a quick story. I was with my family at Universal a few weeks ago on vacation with my kids and stuff. And I had a Giants hat on. And I'm walking by and a guy walks by me in a Patriots jersey. And he, as he gets <laughs> as he gets his step by me, I just hear him go, <laughs> fuck the Giants, right? In, in Universal, right? And it took me a second. I turned around, I looked, and I, and I just yelled back at him, 18 and 1, bitch, 18 and 1. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. And you know what? I was at that Super Bowl, and it was brutal. I thought I was going to have a stroke that game. Well, but, I was at the second one. I was at the second <laughs> one in, 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 in Indy. But, but I don't have any sort of real issue with the Pats at all, maybe because we won the two Super Bowls. But even if we lost them, I have no issue with the Pats. But I was really surprised at how much venom comes back at Giants fans. I would, I'd be like, I would think the team you hate in New York is the Jets. They're in your division. Let me, let me just say this. This is what I think, and this is in defense of the Giants. 
I don't have a problem either. I have some real hardcore knucklehead friends that are just that they are what they are, right? They construction crack Budweiser's at five o'clock and like just hate everything that isn't <laughs> New England. And so, you know, and that's what it is, right? But I really do think it's more about the Jets. But to them, some people just have the blinders on, and it's and, and all they see is the NY. And so it's anything New York because it's the Yankees, it's the Jets. So why not throw the Giants in there because they right. wear the big NY on their helmet? Blue too, and right? red, green and white. What's the difference? But, you know, well, let screw me them all. Real quick, I, I was at that Super Bowl, right? And then we were it, we were down to the wire, if you remember. And then we had. Uh, Eli Manning in the pocket. We were pulling him down, and as soon as they grab his jersey, we know that once he hits the ground and he's sacked, the game's over. So me and my drummer, Shannon, we're jumping up and down. We're hugging each other, and as we're hugging each other, there's two giant fans behind us. We hear one of them go, uh-oh. And I go, uh, what do you mean? And I push Shannon away, like, don't hug me. What do you, you know? And I look back at them. I'm like, what does uh-oh mean? And as I look, you know, he got out, and, and then, uh, of course, from there, right. you know the rest with the catch off the helmet and everything else, right? So I go, oh, my God, right? But I will say that they, you guys beat us. And on the way out, the New, the New York Giants fans were super cool. If that was us, they were all like, oh, man, sorry. You know, that was, that's a tough break. Like, they were really cool about it. And I thought to myself at that point, I go, you know what? Boston are way more dicks than New York. We would have we would have badgered everybody in there if we would have won that game. Even if we had that perfect season and should have been cool about it to just wear that badge, right? There's no way Boston fans would have done that. They would have been like, "Fuck you guys!" Where <laughs> it's, it's crazy, but but for whatever it's worth, there really is. Again, it comes back to that pride, that honor thing. I've never seen, and it's not because I'm prejudiced towards the place I grew up, I've never seen more dedicated, loyal sports fans than in New England. It's crazy here. Like, they really, it's hardcore. See, all I care about. Boston or nothing. Yeah, all I care about is, nothing I hate more than front runners. So I have utmost respect for people who live and die, sink and swim with their team through good and through bad. And and if that, you know, and and that's, I have have nothing but respect for that. Real quick, because I got to end because I got to take a break. But I was at the second Super Bowl in Indianapolis, and I had the opposite thing. That's the only Super Bowl I ever went to in my life. But the Giants fans are all happy and celebrating. like, Tom Brady has the ball with like a minute left. What are you guys out of your mind? And that last play of the game, he floated that thing into that end zone. I mean, that was, I mean, a fingertip away from being a completion. So it's, it's incredibly gut-wrenching. But, again, I was, I was surprised. I didn't realize that – I didn't expect, like, as a Giant fan, like I, the Patriots, I don't even think of. I mean, they, they don't – affect my world all year one way or the other the only way they're a factor is if we play in the super bowl and yeah we're, we're two and zero in that department but i don't look at it that way like where's the cowboys when i see when i even see anybody wearing a cowboys hat i like i, I inside I, I clench up i can't even look at it it's sick it's sick yeah. so it's like it's a different thing but listen man when you get to new york anytime we won't we, we don't have to talk about sports if you don't want to but come in and sit I in love with it. me are you kidding me yeah anytime <laughs> Time, man. Come sit in. We'll talk it. music. We'll talk sports. We'll talk whatever. I'd, I'd love to have you on and in, uh, in the studio when you get Thank some time. You. Best of luck with these solo dates and the solo record, and uh, and also congrats on working with uh, Wahlberg on this foundation. It's great stuff, man. Thank you. We appreciate it. All right. Take care, Sully. You too, Eddie. Take see care. You, man. Well, my thanks to Sully Erna, doing some good charitable stuff as well, talking Godsmack 
and appreciate him checking in. Again, the radio interviews, the interviews you hear originate on my radio show, which is daily on Sirius XM 106 volume, live from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, replay every night, uh, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, on demand as well on the Sirius XM app. You get a little taste here on the podcast each week of what I do on a daily basis on the volume show. Get on board and hope you join me for that. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you to Cantrell. Thank you to Sullyerna. I'll see you guys next week for another all-new podcast, new every Thursday, podcast1.com and iTunes. Don't forget, go to amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. See my Amazon storefront. Start there. Look at items I've handpicked that you might be interested in, and then continue your shopping from that page. Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Thanks to Katie. Thank you guys for listening. See you next Thursday for another all-new episode. Hey humans, David Smalley here from the Dogma Debate Podcast, right here on Podcast One, where we talk about all the things you're not supposed to discuss at work, religion, politics, abortion, racism, slavery, and that's only when we open the Bible. We discuss Islam, Islamophobia, what does that even mean? We chat with vegans, animal rights activists, and even visit factory farms to see it for ourselves. I invite people from multiple backgrounds to convert me into their worldview. But as long as they're okay with being respectfully challenged, you better bring your evidence. And I never lose sight of how both the left and the right are seeming to lose their minds. So basically, we're solving all the world's problems right here on Dogma Debate. And you've been missing it. Watch our 360 virtual reality videos on the Podcast One app and download Dogma Debate on iTunes, Stitcher, or PodcastOne.com. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.